is Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. One of the things I loved about Christ Church when I first came here was that uh, the pastor here was preaching really long passages uh, from Scripture. But this morning, we get two short verses, densely packed. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we give you thanks uh, for your word, for the ways that it instructs us and invites us again and again and again, whether for the first time or the hundredth, uh, to come to Jesus and to walk, to live our lives in him. Would you teach us all that that means? Would you align us spiritually that we would uh, remain in him as we go? We pray in his name. Amen. Well, it is uh, very strange for me right now to be preaching, hopefully not my last sermon at Christ Church, but my last as an as a employee, as a, sta- as a staff member, as a pastor here. Um, And I'm not going to talk too much about that right now. I just wanted to get that out of the way and say I'd love to talk to you after the service. If I start reminiscing right now from behind the pulpit, well, this will get derailed really fast. (laughs) But um, it's an honor to be bringing God's word to you one, uh, one last time in this capacity. And we've been looking together uh, at, at Paul's letter to the Colossians. We've been exploring in the first chapter in chapter 1, 1 through 2, 5, at the rich theology that he uh, lays out, that oozes out of him in that portion of Colossians. But today we come to a transition in the book of Colossians, and almost every commentator that I read this week on Colossians is agreed that these two verses, this single sentence, is at the heart of what Paul's letter to the Colossians is all about. It's the key statement because here Paul weds together all of that rich theology with practical Christian living. He turns in a way and says, therefore, because we believe all of this, now walk, live in this way. These two verses, uh, in short, are all about how to move forward in the Christian life, which is obviously a huge topic, how to move forward in the Christian life. Not long ago, I was having a conversation with a friend, a young guy, young professional who's very involved in his church, not this church, but he's very involved especially in the young adults ministry at this big, uh, seemingly thriving church. And he was expressing to me some frustration with this sector of their ministry, of their uh, their congregation, the young adults ministry. He was saying that there wasn't uh, a lot of spiritual life. Not enough people were connected to the young adults ministry. There wasn't a lot of vision and, and, and cohesiveness to their discipleship programs, things like this. And as I talked with him further and asked him to try to explain and define more fully for me what it is that he thought was missing 
And very often it was tied to this sense of, well, it used to be better, but now we're, we're lacking. At some point, he made a very revealing confession to me and said, you know, to be honest, I just sometimes feel like I was closer to God when I first became a Christian than I am now. I wonder if any of you have ever felt that way. It's a common sense uh, feeling in the Christian life to look back at times and feel that there was spiritual life and energy at some earlier stage, especially when we first believed, than we have now. We go through life as Christians and we face disappointments. We face unfulfilled desires. We face difficult people outside the church and in the church. And we struggle with this sense that things seem to have been better back then. And this feeling, though it's often mistaken and, and sometimes what we're really uh, nostalgic about is just the circumstances of those days rather than what was really at the heart of it. That, that can happen. But there is a key truth in this feeling that we need to see that's in this pa our passage this morning. And it's this, that the posture we take at the beginning of the Christian life is the paradigm for how we continue on in the Christian life, for how we move forward. And there's a recurring and constant temptation in the Christian life to depart from that posture, to think that we need something more. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, this was the problem. He wrote there to the Galatians, what has become of your blessedness? When you first believed, you were on fire. You were, you were walking with God. What's happened to you? Who has bewitched you, Paul says? And here in Colossians, the same issue is on display. Paul says in Colossians 2.4, let no one delude you. In other words, you know what you need to know. Don't be deluded. In Colossians 2.18, he says, let no one disqualify you, that you have all that you need for going forward. And the way that we enter the Christian life, the posture we take at the beginning of the Christian life is the same posture we need to move forward. Paul says here, as you received Christ, so walk in him. So the question we need to ask this morning is what is it that we were doing? Paul is asking these Colossians, what is it that you were doing when you first believed that you need to keep going? Because the way that we enter the Christian life is the way that we keep going. We don't need something more. And there's three things we see this morning. What were, what were we doing when we entered the Christian life that we still need to maintain today? First of all, when we entered the Christian life, when we first believed, we were focused on Jesus. That's the first point that Paul makes. That when these Colossian Christians received Christ, they were focused on him and him alone. Look with me at verse 6. Paul says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Here he is highlighting the basic early Christian confession. The basic belief, commitment that was required to be a Christian. And that was, as Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus 
is Lord. And this word Lord for Paul is not just an honorific title like sir or uh, a title that inferiors would give to superiors, masters to slaves, or things like that in the ancient world. The word Lord means how we often use it today. It means God. For Paul, Lord means to confess Jesus as Lord means to confess Jesus as the God of the Old Testament. Nothing less than God made flesh. And he's highlighting for these Christians that when you first believed, you were in awe of Jesus. And your focus was entirely on him. In Colossians 1, Paul has sought to remind them of why they were so in awe of Jesus. In the great hymn that we looked at a few weeks ago, in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, Paul laid out the fact that Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that by him all things were made, that in him all things hold together, that he is the head of the body, the church, that he is the firstborn from the dead, that in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And that there is no more God for us to receive outside of Jesus. When you first believed, he's saying, you were focused on Christ. But now, false teachers have crept into the Colossian church. And have asked them to focus instead on their own lives. To focus on their own holiness, on their own obedience. Rather than on Jesus. And we can still make this mistake today. We get more caught up in how we're doing, in ourselves, in our circumstances, in our, even in our own obedience, than we are caught up in Jesus himself. But when you first believed, you were focused on Jesus. Recently, I listened to an interview with a historian um, named Molly Worthen. She is a professor of church history at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, so she's super smart. And um, until last August, Molly Worthen was not a Christian. So she was a church history professor, particularly a specialist in the history of the evangelical church, and she wasn't a believer. Well, uh, through relationships with some pastors, one of them being Tim Keller, um, she was led to faith in Christ, and she received Christ. And one of the things she said in this interview that I was uh, listening to was that she's gone back as a historian and has been reading particularly the Puritans. Um, and for the first time in her life, she says, she realized something that never really hit her. Listen to what she said. She said, I've been rediscovering the Puritans now, now that I see that they were focused on Jesus, that they were all about Jesus. And she admits this is in the category of embarrassing as a historian. I missed the center. And friends, we can do the same thing in the Christian life. 
it's all too common that we can be deluded into thinking that there is something else for us to focus on to be moving forward in the Christian life. Jesus was enough to get us in, but is he enough to keep us going? The answer is yes. When you first received him, you were focused on him. He was your focus. He was your joy, your delight. You were in awe of him. Keep going in that way. That's the first thing Paul says, how we move forward in the Christian life. Secondly, he says that when you first believed, you got a new foundation. You focused on Jesus, and you got a new foundation, and we need to keep going in this foundation. Look with me at verse 7. As he says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you were taught. Um, A more literal translation of this verse would be having been rooted in him and now being built up in him. In other words, when you first believed in Christ, you got a new foundation that set you on a whole new trajectory for life. Past, present, and future were undone, redone. You got a whole new foundation, a new identity. He says you were uh, rooted in Christ and we're to continue rooted in Christ, that you are like a tree with roots, that all people are like trees with roots. They have something that they hold to to keep them firm, something that grounds their identity. And Paul says that was Christ for you and it needs to remain Christ for you, not Christ plus something else, but Christ alone. And that when you received Christ, you began to be built up in him. You were rooted in him, and he began to make you into a building, a structure, or better, uh, like a temple that was being expanded, remodeled, to become something glorious, a dwelling place for God. So he's telling them, don't look back. You don't need anything more to ground you in the Christian life. When we look back and wonder about whether our grounding is secure, we tend to go off course, right? If you're driving and look over your shoulder, you naturally veer. Paul is saying, stay rooted in Christ. He's your foundation. He's how you will grow. He he is the one who's at work in you to grow you, to make you into a temple, to renew the glory of God's image in you. And only he can do it. We sometimes think that Christ, again, is enough to get us in. But then to get going, well, we need to spice things up a little bit. And Paul's saying, no, no. It's only as you're grounded in him, founded on him, that you'll continue to be built up that the things that uh, you pursue in life will be lasting and won't fall, won't crumble. When you first received him, you knew that you were set on a new foundation. And Paul's saying, don't depart from it. There is nothing extra to add here either. Just as you are in awe of him, so be rooted in him. Be confident in your foundation. Finally, thirdly and finally, what Paul says uh, you were doing when you first believed that you need to keep going is that when you first believed, 
you abounded in thanksgiving. In verse 7, he says, you need to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving or overflowing with thankfulness. Paul's highlighting, and we know this, that when someone first comes to Christ, they are overwhelmed by their own forgiveness and welcome. Paul's not saying that you need to be and just remain sort of dutifully thankful, like we are when we, you know, we send out thank you notes because we have to, right? I'm not saying that you can't be abounding in thanksgiving when you do that, but that you are to be abounding, overflowing, that thankfulness is to be oozing out of you like a baby Christian who is still overwhelmed and overjoyed by the fact that you could belong to Jesus. That when you're squeezed, when life presses on you and hardships come your way, even in these times, thankfulness is to overflow out of you in all of life, in every relationship, in every difficult circumstance, because when your focus is on Jesus, there's no other way to be. In Colossians 1, Paul put it this way, that in the Christian life, we're to go on giving thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And in Colossians 1.21, he explains how God qualifies us for that. He says, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The difference, the transformation is stark. It's astonishing that you were alienated and hostile and evil, and now you are holy and blameless and above reproach in the sight of God because of Jesus Christ. That is to make you abound in thanksgiving. And you're never to take your focus off of that. To get on in the Christian life, to move forward in the Christian life, is to continually think of his work for you, his pain on the cross, his humiliation, his rejection, his punishment, and to see there yourself, what you should have received. But there he is in your place. This isn't something that only non-believers need to contemplate. As if they're the only ones who need to consider their sinfulness and turn to Christ with thankful hearts. But that over and over and over again in the Christian life, we're to abound in thanksgiving chiefly because he has won salvation for us. He's brought you in. He's brought you in. You who were alienated and hostile, he's made holy and blameless. Paul's saying this is how you receive Christ. This is the Christ whom you received, the Lord, the God of the universe, the creator who took on flesh, that in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And when you first beheld him, you were so focused on him and in awe of him that you didn't 
it wouldn't have occurred to you or made any sense to you that you would need anything more. Remember who he is. Stay focused on him. And he's saying, when you first believed and focused on him, you knew that you had a whole new foundation for your life. You don't need to supplement that. You don't need to enhance that. You don't need to build on anything else. So don't. And he's saying, when you first believed, you couldn't, you couldn't believe. You were overwhelmed by the fact that he had done this for you. You were abounding in thanksgiving. We um, forget these things. We depart from them over and over and over again because as we walk through life, we feel oftentimes like things aren't going as I planned. Life is hard. Things are difficult. Maybe I need to spice things up a bit. And Paul's saying, no, no. Simple faith. Resting in Christ. As Luke just vowed. As we vow in our baptism to receive and rest on him alone for salvation. That's not only how we get in. It's how we keep going. Friends, keep your eyes on Jesus. And as a church, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. As a body, it's not a philosophy of ministry. It's not a particular program. But it's him that we proclaim. That's what keeps us going and moving forward. There's nothing more to be found outside of him. So hear that word to keep your eyes fixed on him. And let's ask for his help to see him and to do that. Father, this morning uh, we confess that our hearts are pulled in many directions and that our minds are distracted, that we are quick to lose faith and to lose heart and to disbelieve what you've said, that in Christ the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that in him we have access to you fully. Would you help us to never depart, but to walk in him and in him alone, to be satisfied in him, founded on him, and abounding in thanksgiving because of what he's done for us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.